Welcome to the latest episode of the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. Before we get started, I have a few things I want to let you all know. First is that I participated in International Podcast Day on September 30th. And if you didn't get a chance to check out all of the great sessions, I would highly recommend that you search YouTube for International Podcast Day 2017. Next is that I wanted to let you know about a campaign I'm taking part in called Hashtag Two Pods a Day. It aims to introduce podcast listeners to two independent podcasts every day for the entire month of October. We hope to give visibility to some of the great indie podcasts that you probably haven't heard of. Hashtag Two Pods a Day encourages you to listen more, listen indie. Find more shows like mine by following hashtag Two Pods a Day. That's two, the number two, pods a day on Twitter and Facebook. Finally, a big welcome to any new listeners. A quick overview. PBC is like book club of her podcasts. We're a global community of avid podcast listeners. And every month, one member chooses a theme and three to five podcast episodes that hit that theme. I send out the playlist via the PBC newsletter, and then people listen on their own time. And at some point during the month, they meet in small groups all over the world to discuss the listening list. We have over 30 chapters on five continents. To get a better sense of who we are and how you can participate, take a look around podcastbrunchclub.com. You can join the newsletter, join our Facebook group, and find out where we have in-person chapters. If we don't have a chapter where you live, start one. I can help you. This podcast is a way to bring a tiny bit of the conversation directly to your earbuds. Okay, so now on to this month's theme and playlist. Today we're chatting about the podcast playlist centered around stereotypes and pop culture. You can find the episode lineup at podcastbrunchclub.com slash stereotypes. The wonderful Morgan Jaffe curated this playlist for us, and I'm so fortunate to have her as a guest on this episode of the PBC podcast. Morgan is co-leader of the PBC chapter in Boston and is also the host of Burst Your Bubble podcast, which is an independent podcast that focuses on racism, sexism, homophobia, and other isms and phobias in pop culture. The first episode in our playlist is the TED Radio Hour podcast episode entitled Playing with Perceptions. With perceptions, challenging stereotypes, and in some cases, embracing them. In this episode, the TED Radio Hour focuses on stereotypes, asking where do they come from, why do stereotypes exist, and is there any truth to them, and what are the consequences of stereotypes? I think it's natural that we want to place them somewhere, Yeah, you know, in a part of the world, in a community, in an environment. And, and so I wanted to take that away a bit because the, the reality is that our lives and our personalities and, and, and whatnot are made up of so much more than your kind of localized area. You, you know, your localized area can be the world now. Next was the Code Switch episode entitled Changing Colors in Comics. What's good, y'all? This is Code Switch. I'm Gene Demby. Gene Show Demby me. talks to Ariel Johnson, Ronald Wimberly, and C. Spike Trot Manthry, three black people who are working to create more space for black readers, characters, and creators in the comics Sorry, world. I'm not going to ask this. I'm not going to ask this black artist to lighten the shade of this character literally just a couple tones and it makes no difference literally the difference could be like you adjusted your white balance on the camera or something you know what I mean? like it's not it's it's ridiculous next up is the stuff your mom never told you podcast 
The episode we discuss is called Transgender TV. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Kristen Conger and Carolyn Irvin talk with trans activist and writer Raquel Willis about trans characters, trans actors, and representations and portrayals on trans people on television. If you look back to a 1977 episode of The Jeffersons, for instance, they featured a, an actually sympathetic trans woman character whom George Jefferson was in the Navy with. And, and it actually portrays this woman as, you know, like I said, a sympathetic character, someone who's not to be pitied or feared. Yeah. Finally... We listened to the Mashup Americans podcast episode called Alan Yang, Master of Lots. Hey, I'm Amy Choi. And I'm Rebecca Lair, and we are the Mashup Americans. Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lair talk with Alan Yang, co-creator and executive producer of Master of None, about the idea of the model minority being a first-generation American and the lack of diverse characters in media. You know, we need the lead to be a 25-year-old handsome person who looks this way. Yeah. That's just not the case. Totally. That's just not the case. Totally. Like, right. Is that going to be the most interesting thing? No. And again, it's like, we've seen it, right? We've seen right. it a lot. So yeah. maybe <laughs> let's try something else for a second and see if people respond to it. So those and, are the episodes Morgan and I discuss. We took on four of the conversation starter questions that were included with the playlist. You can find the conversation starter questions along with the episode lineup at podcastbrunchclub.com slash stereotypes or click the link in the show description in whatever podcast player you're using. Thanks so much, Morgan, for joining me on the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast project? Yeah, Adela, thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Morgan Jaffe. I, uh, I do a lot of different types of audio. Um, for fun, I have a podcast. It's called Burst Your Bubble, and it looks at the different isms and phobias in pop culture, uh, anything from you know racism in a movie to sexism in music or homophobia in video games and it just kind of covers all these different topics from episode to episode uh, when I'm not doing that I actually do radio for for work at a low power FM radio station here in Boston and uh, I also am one of the co-leaders for the Boston chapter of the brunch club yeah you guys were one of our first so and you guys have been rocking it so thanks for doing that it's been so much fun so I'm glad you started this so oh thanks so you chose a theme of stereotypes in pop culture, and you put together a playlist for us of four episodes from a variety of podcasts. So why don't you tell us what drew you to that theme? I know that your podcast tackles these questions, but tell us more. Yeah, I think that a lot of the reason I wanted to go with this as the theme is because I just find it so interesting. Um, I've always been you know, the type of person to really go in and analyze media and I thought it would be a really interesting topic because I don't know how many other people end up doing that or thinking about, you know, who's creating the media that they're watching or what kind of messages the media they're watching is sending. And sometimes those messages are positive and sometimes they're negative. But I think it's a really good discussion to have about your media and to maybe dive in to whatever okay. you're consuming, whether it's watching or listening or reading a little bit more and kind of just be conscious of that. So that's kind of why I ended up going with the topic. It's something I find really interesting. I like talking about with my friends and I thought it might be fun to talk about during one of the brunch club meetups. Yeah, it definitely is a really interesting topic. There's so much content 
out there to begin with. There's pop culture type media, but there's news. And it's always really important, I think, especially now to think about the source of where you're getting the content you consume, whether it's for fun or for information. I couldn't agree more. I think you're hitting on a really important point. So you put together a list of conversation starter questions for us to tackle at our brunch club meetings, and we're going to tackle a couple of them today. So the first one that I wanted to pose to you, and you wrote these, so um, you're posing it to us and I'm posing it back (laughs) to you, is um, stuff mom never told you, quotes Janet Mock, who said, Quote, often the only time an ally or cisgender person will have an interaction with a trans person in life will be through the television, will be through a magazine article, will be through an internet clip that goes viral, end quote. This could be said about many races, religions, sexual orientations, or gender representations. Do you agree or disagree with this comment? What do you think people are learning from the media and pop culture? I completely agree with it. I think... um... Even if it's not the only way someone interacts with someone maybe of a different race or religion or whatever that difference is, it might be the first way. That episode, one of the hosts was saying how when you think about the television, it's in so many American homes and it's just kind of constantly there. And that's why it's a a way just for people to you know turn on the TV and all of a sudden get transported to these different worlds. Um, And some of that might be more of a science fiction world and some of that might be, you know, someone who has a different upbringing than them or a different family background than them. And I think that uh, I hope that while it might be someone's way to learn about a different culture, I I hope that it's not the only way they do learn about someone else. I hope they actually meet someone because, like, who created that representation? With that quote from Janet Mock, you know, she's saying – it might be someone's first experience with, you know, someone who's trans. I hope it's not their only experience because, you know, who is either being the actor or actress who's playing that character, chances are high they aren't trans themselves, and who wrote that character. So what kind of messages then come out of that? That's what I like to think about a lot because you might have a character who's played by a cis actor portraying a trans character. And while some people argue, well, that's the whole point of acting is that you can be whoever your character is, I always just think who's telling that story for that person. So I I completely agree with her. Yeah. I mean, the actor is following somebody else's direction, whether that's the writer or the director, but there's definitely something happening probably with when, when a character is being written or created or thought of that somebody else's stereotypes and thoughts and feelings and prejudices perhaps prejudices will go into it but yeah I mean I agree too it's important to expose yourself to every kind of person and multiple people within any given category you know so even if you do watch a television show that portrays somebody that maybe you don't interact with in real life and then you do interact with somebody that person still isn't that category, you know, so you're still only meeting one individual. And all of these podcasts really made me think a little bit about like, what is the ideal that we should all be striving toward? You know, what, like, in your wildest dreams, what would this look like? What would our society look like in terms of identity and that kind of thing? I mean, I don't know if I can even answer that question. That's a really interesting question. 
I don't know if I can answer that, but not because I don't want to, just because that's something, knowing me, I'd want to kind of think over. But Well, let me ask you this. Maybe I'll, I'll make it a bit more specific. Do you think that, you know, people should be colorblind? Ah. Is that the ideal that we're going for? Are we going for every, like, the identity to kind of just sort of wash over us? Because for me, I think it kind of is. In my ideal world, I kind of just wish we could just live in a world where people are just people and that it's not about your color. It's not about your gender. It's not about your sexual orientation. It's not about your religion or your nationality or all of those things. I, I really sort of wish, and this is so, I mean, again, this is such an ideal and it's, I know how naive I sound. I, I wish we could get to a point in our society where it just didn't matter. But I don't know that that's what people want. I hear what you're saying. And on one hand, I, I completely understand where you're coming from with saying that having a colorblind society would be amazing. On the other hand, though, an ideal society in a lot of ways would be a place where, especially in the media, underrepresented uh, people, whether it's people of color or people of you know other religions besides Christianity or um, people from different socioeconomic classes or uh, LGBTQ folks or people with disabilities could tell their stories both because, you know, they are the creators of it and also the the actors in it. That, in my opinion, would be at least an ideal society when it comes to to media. I think that if we instead kind of try to have this world where, you know, people say, well, I don't see color, I think it's instead kind of saying, well, I'm I don't see this part that you might really identify strongly with. But I, I do see where you're coming from. But I think that in my world, an ideal would be that we have our differences and that instead we can celebrate them instead of ignore them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want to say ignore because that sounds kind of because I know you're coming from a good place. So I didn't want to say ignore because that no, sounds I kind totally... of mean. <laughs> no, I don't get offended easily. I, I'm questioning my own ideals even you know I don't know that that's the best utopia or whatever I mean I would hope that in this utopia that there you know you're saying like that underrepresented people you know could tell their story in my and I guess in my utopia that there wouldn't be underrepresented people you know that oh okay yeah that whole idea of underrepresentation wouldn't even exist but maybe it's maybe it's more like well that just seems to be then ignoring who people are and the differences. Yeah, I think I get a little more what you're saying. I think it's just so ideal that I, I couldn't even wrap my head around the concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's very, I mean, obviously it's not realistic at all, so it's not probably super productive. Uh, but for me, a little bit, uh, part of why I like to think about a utopia is if I understand what a utopia looks like, then maybe I can figure out how to help get there. Mm. You know, you want equality for all people. But, you know, at the same time, there's like this push-pull relationship between equality and then like the idea of recognizing differences. And so it's like a hard thing for me to kind of wrap my head around about what an ideal would look like. Yeah, that's fair. So let's move on to the next question. This time, let's talk about the Code Switch episode called Changing Colors and Comics. And the question is, C. Spike Trotman talks about how companies believe that people of color, LGBTQ characters, and characters with disabilities are not relatable in niche markets. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, I completely disagree. <laughs> um, it's so interesting to, to read about 
different types of characters than who you are. And I think, I don't know, maybe as someone who identifies as or who is a, a white woman who's also Jewish and queer, there have been so many other times that I've had to read about characters who don't look like me or who, you know, have a different background than I do that I guess in some ways I've had to find what makes all characters relatable to me. So I think that especially with what's called like niche markets, I don't know, maybe because I am part of that niche market, I find I find it so interesting. And like uh, one of my favorite comics is Hip Hop Family Tree, which involves a ton of characters of color. And I love it because I guess I was never focusing on the characters of color necessarily. It was all about the music. And whenever I read it, it makes me want to go check out the different music that they're talking about or the different artists if I don't already know them. Most of them I feel like I, I do, but I don't know. It's just this whole world comes alive. And I don't think I'm the intended audience for that, but it's one of my favorite comics. And I think that that discussion is kind of coming from a place of, well, this is the intended audience. Mm-hmm. But in the same way that like you don't have to, to be a, a white guy to say, I love Spider-Man. I don't think you need to be a person of color or a queer person or a person with disabilities in order to like a character who is also a person of color or a queer character or a character with disabilities. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't, I don't think that makes sense. Yeah. I tend to agree. I have to admit, I have a confession. I do not consider myself a consumer of pop culture <laughs> to begin with. I mean, other than podcasts, honestly, I don't watch TV. Because of podcasts, I've kind of stopped reading, which is horrible to say, and it's sort of <laughs> embarrassing. Um, I like rarely go to movies just when my boyfriend drags me. So pop culture for me is something that I don't spend a lot of time in. Would you consider podcasts pop culture? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends who you're asking what, and maybe this should have been one of my questions, but like, what do you consider to be pop culture? Because when I think of pop culture, I think of... Um, I think of movies, I think of TV, I think of music, um, but I also think of things like uh, ads or or games mm-hmm. or uh, newspapers or magazines or, um, you know, my grandfather used to yeah. collect stamps and agree. coins. So any sort of media or something with an image or a sound, I, I probably have a very broad definition of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Well, and so see, for me, that's culture. And then so I guess the pop part is what <laughs> like throws me off. No, that's totally fair. What does that mean? What is pop culture? To me, when you said stamp collecting, I'm like, oh, no, that's not what I would consider. Yeah, no, I, and I know that for most people, they were like, mm, stamp collecting is not interesting to me for numerous reasons. But I don't know. I think I think just growing up because he would, uh, yeah, he would collect stamps and coins and, and paper goods, which at the time when I was a kid, I thought was so boring. Uh, and <laughs> I wish I hadn't because now I'm so interested by all of it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, and he would kind of show me these images and talk with me about what was going on in society. So it was definitely a part of culture. And then the pop part kind of came because, you know, it might be that he was showing me an ad or Hmm. like he used to collect old uh, lunchboxes that would have these, you know, cartoon characters on them. So, yeah, I, I do probably have a very broad definition of what makes pop culture for better or worse. Right. Yeah. And for me, like, I guess going back to the whole stereotypes and pop culture, I feel like podcasts, because you're hearing the voice and because it feels so intimate, it is so easy to get involved in a person's story who might not be anything like you or anything like anybody you've ever met. 
And so I, you know, going back to the original question at hand, that like it is important to kind of give these people a voice because it gives the opportunity for maybe the majority to live for a second in the shoes of that person. And I, for me, podcasts do that really well. But at the same time, there is a not necessarily colorblindness, but just blindness to it, you know, because you're not seeing anything. It does allow for you to kind of get intimately involved with a character, a disabled character or a trans character or whatever character. But if they don't tell you that's what they are, then you don't know. And that's a really interesting point, because I don't know if I had thought about all of these questions within the context of podcasts. Um, But I also I think that podcasts definitely have a diversity problem. So on one hand, I completely agree with you that, you know, we're not there to see the the hosts, you know, they're they're in our ears, but we can't see them in the same way that, you know, we can if we're watching a TV show or, you know, a movie or even listening to music, you know, even though that's not using our site, we we might still know what that band looks like. Maybe we're listening to a CD with album art. Well, I listen to CDs still. I don't know how many people actually do that anymore (laughs) um like on one hand i really agree with you with everything you just said in terms of uh listening to podcasts is so much more uh intimate that Mm -hmm. it's probably more relatable more quickly or just you feel a connection more quickly but at the same time just because i'm i'm an overanalyzer when it comes to any sort of media like a lot of the time i'll i'll think and i and i did this you know even with setting up all of these episodes with thinking, okay, like who's creating this? Um, I want to try to include both independent podcasts as as well as other ones and creators of, of color and women. And I was trying to be really conscious of that even when putting together these episodes because I, I do think that when it comes to podcasts and podcasting, there's there's definitely a, a lack of diversity. Um, so on one hand, right. yeah, it can lead to a lot of colorblindness like like you were saying, just because we don't know who's at the other end of the mic. But at the same time, in in some ways, we do know who's at the other end of the mic. Right. For me, like, I listen to a lot of storytelling podcasts. And those are the ones that are, that just like really hit me the hardest. And it's not always about the host on those podcasts, Mm. you know, because maybe it is a white guy. I don't know. But because of the nature of the podcast itself, it's a storytelling podcast. So there's always a different voice on every episode just talking about their own personal experience and so for me that's the way that I can get into somebody else's shoes for 15 minutes or whatever like I just listened to a story collider episode about a woman who was a doctor in South Sudan with Doctors Without Borders that's never a situation I will ever be in yeah I mean just hearing her story gave me a perspective and made me feel things that maybe I wouldn't have if I was watching it on television or, you know, reading it in a book because I was I'm, I'm hearing it like I'm hearing the quiver in her voice as she's telling the story and, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's probably one of the reasons why I really enjoy listening to The Moth, um, because exactly what you just said, you know, you you get to hear these stories and these experiences for, from people and you can just hear the emotion in their voice. You were saying the quiver. Yeah, it's just really beautiful that. I think people forget sometimes when they're behind a microphone that there is an audience and they let their guard down a little bit. And I think that's one of the reasons I really do love podcasts. I, I know that has nothing to do with the topic, but like I wanted to touch on it just because you made a really great point. No, that's actually very true. Like I'm sitting here right now in a closet with a <laughs> microphone and 
I don't feel like I'm on a stage with, you know, however many people watching me do this, but I do know that eventually, however many people will download the podcast and listen to it. But there, so I do lose myself a little bit. And I would probably be a bit more honest in this situation than I would on a stage if I was saying it, you know, telling it to a 250 staring eyeballs or whatever, you know? A hundred percent. I completely agree. Um, okay, let's move on to the next question. So number nine, the mashup Americans played a clip where Alan Yang said, quote, thank you to all the straight white guys who dominated movies and TV so hard and for so long that stories about anyone else seemed kind of fresh and original now, end quote. What was your reaction to that? <laughs> I I almost felt a little guilty because, like, I remember when Master of None came out, uh, there was a lot of binge watching in my house when, when that happened. And I don't know if I use that phrase exactly of it being like being fresh and original, but I wouldn't have been surprised if I did because that's exactly how it felt to me. And and hearing uh, hearing him say that, I didn't know if I should feel guilty or not. Why? <sighs> how would you feel guilty? Maybe guilty is not the right word. I don't know. It just it did feel fresh and original to me, and. Like, it made me think, like, okay, what do I watch? Like, is it because of what I'm choosing to watch that it felt fresh and original? Or is it because we really haven't had other options? I like to think it's because there haven't been a lot of other options. But it, it, it I don't know. It just, it felt so different. And it, I mean, when we think about the, the niche markets bit from the uh, Code Switch episode, I don't know. It just felt so relatable, which is interesting. You know, my parents aren't immigrants, but I felt myself relating so much to uh, different stories that you would see in Master of None. Uh, you know, there's one episode where uh, Alan's character has to show, well, actually both him and Aziz, they have to show their parents at different times technology. And they're saying, you know, oh, I feel like I'm just here as tech support. And oh my God, was that relatable? Um, I don't know. There was just so much. But yeah, it was just like so many little, like little things like that. Where I was just like, oh my God, yes, I am I am a hundred percent with you. Uh, or thoughts different thoughts about uh, getting older and, and friends getting married or having kids and I just it just all felt so relatable. Yeah. It's nice just to see, you know, the different perspectives related. And you know, I am a child of immigrants. My father is Israeli, my mother is British, I've said this before. There's just like a level of understanding that my parents didn't have about American culture and American society. There's just like this piece missing in my in my upbringing that it made me unique. And I, I don't regret it at all. I don't. But there was this little bit of a missing piece that I know that my friends had. So I, it was relatable even to somebody who doesn't have parents who immigrated from those countries. Yeah, I'm really glad that it got the the space to be told as a story i mean it just i don't know it also was just so funny um yeah i really enjoyed watching that yeah you know as i was i was listening to these podcasts and especially the ted radio hour one i was thinking about how i identify and whether or not i ever feel sort of marginalized or underrepresented i am a white jewish woman american woman i personally never feel underrepresented it. But there are certain things that just get me super riled up. 
and I was going to ask you about this since it, since you're you're also Jewish. Sure. Um, I do not like it when people say Jew, like he's a Jew, she's a Jew, I'm a Jew, they're a Jew. I do not like it. It's something just hits me the wrong way when people say that. I think it's because they're using it as a noun when it really should be an adjective. Mm. It's like she's a Jewish person or she's a Jewish woman or whatever. You know, like if I said he's a white <laughs> or he's a black. Yeah, that just gets uncomfortable know? real quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. And it drives me crazy. I don't know why. And people that I know that are Jewish do not get offended by it. But I am just like, do not. Do not say that. I do not like it. I don't think I've ever really, yeah, I don't think in conversation I've ever had someone be like, oh, have you met so-and-so? Like, they're a Jew, too. It's always been like, oh, have you met so-and-so? And then if it comes up, like, oh, they are also Jewish. Right. I don't know. That feels better, right? Oh, good. Like, if good, they good, said good. they're a Jew, I would be like, what? You know what, though? Now that I'm thinking about it, he's a Muslim or she's a Muslim. Yeah. People do that. Yeah. It's semantics. I don't know. It's weird. But it's I mean, I typically that... get stuck on punctuation a lot. So that's a whole nother tangent that that could go on for days. So no, I totally understand what you're saying with like, this is what I do. I like breaking things down. It's interesting to see what other people start breaking down because I never thought about that that way. But now I will be for like the rest of the night. Okay, so the next question, this one's about the TED Radio Hour episode and uh, called Playing with Perceptions. Maz Jobrani talks about how he thinks stereotypes exist because there's some truth to stereotypes. In his comedy, he also used a lot of accents. Accents and dialects also came up in discussion with Sarah Jones and Jamila Liscott as well. How do you feel about how people sound being used for comedy and media representations? And does your reaction change based on who is doing the accent or dialogue and should it? I feel like... I will I will jokingly do accents sometimes when I'm talking about my own family. And mostly it's me trying to do like a very poor imitation of members of my family that don't come off well. But also when you think of, oh, has this person met my family or not? But like this question makes me think of the quote unquote like Jewish accent um, or like the gay lisp or things like that. And it makes me think that if I do the Jewish accent, or whatever that is, the quote-unquote Jewish accent, like, is that okay because I am Jewish? But also it turns into a question of do people know I'm Jewish? Or the gay lisp tends to be for queer men, but what happens if I do the the gay lisp? Is that okay because I identify as queer? Or is it not because I am not personally a queer man? So how does that all work? And it's also, I think, in the same way that people can get really uncomfortable talking about race especially in comedy especially if that race is not their own i feel like the accent people can also be thinking is it can i laugh at this is this okay um and then mm -hmm. it's like well the comedian are they that race are they making fun of their own race do they is that their invitation for you to laugh at them or then it's well is this a different race is this for fun am i supposed to be laughing with or at this imitation mm -hmm. so i think it, it's always a lot to unpackage yeah I mean, I think that they talked about that in another episode in the one, the stuff your mom never told you, you know, she was talking about taking the N word back or it, she was a trans woman and she was saying how RuPaul mm. started using the word tranny yeah, and how that was really offensive. And she was talking about how some, 
some trans people have taken the word back and use it themselves, but it's okay for them to use it because that's what they are. And then it's not okay for, and it's the same, it's similar to the N word, you know, just if that's how they prefer to call, to call themselves, that's okay. But like for somebody else to use, it's not okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I, I personally would never use the N word. It's not, that's not for me. That's not for me to reclaim. And if I were to use it, I feel like it would be seen as hateful and it's just, so I feel like it's not something that I can or should or really want to say. And in the same way, like I, you know, all throughout this episode, I keep saying that I identify as as queer. But I know that when my parents first heard me use that term, they they didn't. I could tell they felt uncomfortable because they're from a different generation. And so when they hear the word right. queer, they're like, "Oh, isn't that a negative thing? Is that a bad thing?" And I've explained to them like, "I that's actually what I would prefer. That's what I want. What term I want you to use." But I can tell it still sometimes makes them. It makes them think of a different time. Yeah, of course. I mean, they lived in a time where that was really a derogatory term. Yeah. So it feels like very uncomfortable for people who, you know, and, and that's, a. I mean, that's also different because like you, you're, you're stating that it's okay for them to use that term for you. It's not just you're using that term for yourself and it's okay for you to call yourself that, but that you're asking other people to, you know, use that term for yeah. you. And that would be, it's like the equivalent of maybe an African-American telling somebody, yeah, I want you to use the N-word for me when you describe me. (laughs) And that's probably almost like a little bit how your parents feel because it's like, no, that's just not a good term to use. It's not something I would feel comfortable doing. Yeah, that's very fair. And then like going, I mean, going back to comedy, if you have someone who's maybe from one background or culture saying, you know, if you have... uh, I'm just going to give an example. If you have, um, you know, an Asian comedian who's using like a very stereotypical accent, in theory, that's them saying, I'm doing this and you can laugh along with me because this is my culture that I am making fun of. But if it was a white comedian, oh my gosh, I would feel so uncomfortable. Yeah, for me, it definitely changes based on who is doing the stereotyping and I mean, stereotypes are weird because sometimes they're also positive stereotypes. You know, it might be a white comedian talking about how Asians are really good at math. And, you know, it's a quote unquote good stereotype, but it's still a stereotype and it's still putting someone in a box. Yeah. And putting someone in a box that they might not feel comfortable in. Right. You know, it's uh, as much as I say I'm not really into pop culture, I do dabble. (laughs) I knew it was a lie. (laughs) You caught me. One of my favorite shows is Seinfeld. I don't know if you've watched a lot of the episodes. Oh, oh, I've watched a lot of Seinfeld in my lifetime. Okay. Don't you worry. Okay. So do you remember the episode about, about the anti-dentite? I might not know this episode, though. It's There's a dentist who I want to say is also a comedian. Jerry, he was doing a bit about dentists, and he started accusing Jerry of being an anti-dentite. And he's like, I'm the only one who's allowed to make fun of dentists because I am a dentist. You're not a dentist. You're an anti-dentite. Yeah, that is a perfect example for what we're talking about. Yeah, I'll I'll put a I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Oh, that sounds Um, beautiful. uh, A clip, but it's 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 something around along the lines of. It is not okay for you to make fun of something if you're not that something, but it's okay for that person who is that something to make fun of it. Oh, that's perfect. And I think they were using anti-dentite because it was so similar to anti-Semite, you yeah. know, and so it was just sort of like ma- 
it was making a point without using that something that's so loaded. Definitely. I mean, especially when you think about, you know, Seinfeld and all the characters' backgrounds and especially all the, all the, they throw in a lot of ridiculous Judaism in there. So, I mean, some of it being like very heavy on the stereotypes, but also, you know, I find myself laughing and I don't know if that's because it's relatable or because I'm Jewish. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Well, that's it for the questions we were going to tackle on this episode. But I always try to ask every guest, what is your favorite podcast? I always say of all time in parentheses, if you want to give that, or of today, like right now. And is there a good episode to start with? So I feel like recently I've been needing kind of an escape from what's going on in the real world right now. So I've kind of been avoiding podcasts that talk about politics or current events or the news. Uh, even though sometimes I wonder if I should be doing that, but you know, sometimes we need a break. So uh, one podcast I've been listening to a lot recently, and it has the longest title ever, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. I want to say it's actually from the Canadian Broadcast Corporation. And so even though it's Canadian, though, it's uh, got a whole bunch of American pop culture references, which is fun. But it's it's literally it's a, exactly what the title is. It's people getting up and reading old letters or diaries that, that they wrote as kids. And have you ever caught? I don't know. I feel like I get caught laughing on public transportation a lot. And this tends <laughs> to be the podcast that has caused it. Um, so it just makes me think of little kids just being so silly because sometimes I mean sometimes the stories are from you know someone found a story they wrote when they were six and sometimes it's a story they wrote when they were 16 Um, so sometimes it's like an angsty teenager and sometimes it's a six-year-old who uh, thinks they're writing a letter to like the tooth fairy Um, so I just find myself laughing a lot with that one but yeah I listen to a lot of podcasts but that's the one I've been listening to a lot recently just just to laugh yeah I definitely need more funny podcasts these are good because they're probably like short short and funny and yeah it's uh they end up being about half an hour every time but what ends up happening is there will be multiple people in one episode um so you'll get little bits from each person and that's one of those shows for me where I can say like oh I have five spare minutes and and just to just to laugh I'm actually on their site right now and the latest podcast episode this is the description Zahida passes out during sex ed Jeff writes a very Canadian spy story Mandy gets a crush on the class president and much more. Okay, I will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Morgan. It's been great talking to you. And have a great podcast brunch club. Yeah, thanks. You too. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Morgan. As I was listening back to our conversation, I quickly realized how ridiculous I was being by saying I'm not a consumer of pop culture. Almost immediately after making that claim, I talked about how I watched both Master of None and Seinfeld, two shows that are very much part of pop culture. As a middle-class urban American, it's nearly impossible not to consume pop culture in some way. So next month, our theme will be the death penalty. You can find the playlist at podcastbrunchclub.com slash death penalty. Finally, a quick call for help. A review on Apple Podcasts is super helpful. If you have web, graphic design, or audio editing skills and want to help with some in-kind support, email me at adela at podcastbrunchclub.com. If you work for an organization that may want to sponsor Podcast Brunch Club 
or you are a podcast creator that wants to get the word out about your project, visit podcastbrunchclub.com slash sponsors. Thanks, and happy listening. Thanks for listening to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast, presented from Chicago by Adela Mizrachi and produced from Bristol by Emily Knight. This episode featured Morgan Jaffe from the Boston branch of PBC. All our music is from the Free Music Archive under a Creative Commons license. This track is Relinquish by Poddington Bear. Thank you.